When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. familiars. If you've had an encounter with something strange, if you've seen something like Bigfoot or another cryptid, a ghost, UFO, anything from the unknown, and you'd like to tell your story, go ahead and email me, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. We're always looking for stories. If you have ideas of stories you'd like us to cover, go ahead and email us there as well. I did get a few emails and messages of people wanting me to comment on the Casey Hathaway case from North Carolina, the little boy who was taken. He was missing for three days, and they found him in a briar patch, tangled up. And he said he had been with his, quote, best friend, the bear, for days. So we talk about that on an upcoming episode of Where Did the Rogue Go? Soraya, Joshua, and I talk about that so you can hear my thoughts, such as they are, over at Where Did the Road Go? If you didn't catch it, Josh, via Red Pill Junkie at the Daily Grail, dropped the name of our book this week. It's going to be called Where the Footprints End. Very, very excited about that. I've started writing, and it's just so much fun, and it's so rewarding It's about all the weirdness in the phenomenon of Bigfoot, and it is making some of the old guard cryptozoologists very nervous. Speaking of Bigfoot, and things like Bigfoot, tonight we will be talking with Doug, who had a... it's a repeat encounter, really. But it's several years between the encounters, with something hair-covered and small that sounds an awful lot like an albatwitch. Let's go to Doug and hear his story. (music) 
tonight we're talking with Doug, who contacted me about... Well, let's just get into the story, rather than try to explain it beforehand. Sure. The, the whole reason I found out about it being the uh, possibly an albatwitch uh, is, is a convoluted story. Uh, for years and years, uh, I, I thought that crypto hominids, Bigfoot, they were out in the Pacific Northwest. I would be imagining them out there you know, you know, see, see the, uh, in Washington and uh, uh, on the coast out there. Sure, yeah. I, I, never, I never realized that they appeared other parts of the country. So I didn't put two and two together until like maybe a couple of years ago. I said, wait a second, maybe my friend from my childhood was some kind of Bigfoot. And then uh, the, the more I learned about the Albatwitch, it was a better fit. But anyway, you, you, I'll, I'll give you the actual story. Sure. Jump back to 1959. I was four years old. This is in a residential area. This, was, this wasn't in the woods. We had a, uh, a lot of trees in the backyard. There was a, a, a northern greening apple tree, which was one of the first trees that the colonists brought over from, from England. Uh, it had been there literally from colonial times. It was an old apple tree. There was a uh, the neighbors that had a cherry tree that hung over our, our garage, and we had pine trees back there. And my grandmother, my grandmother was from Germany. She and I planted some peach pits, and so we had some peach trees growing back there. I spent a lot of time in the backyard. Specifically, I spent a lot of time up in uh, one of the pine trees we had back there. And you may wonder what my parents were thinking, letting a four-year-old climb up a, <laughs> a pine tree. Uh, I would be following my older brother up, and he was always keeping an eye out for me. And then they realized I, I wasn't falling, so they were fine with me <laughs> spending time back there. Yeah, I, I have some stories in, in my youth in the, in the early 70s. I was out on the farm by myself. I was probably seven, eight years old, out at night. And pe some people are like, what? You know, your parents are crazy. Like, well, you know, they it, it was a different time, and I think they felt like I was safe on the farm, especially with my dog companion and so forth. Parents gave kids a little more leeway, I think, back in uh, when we were growing up. Well, it, it, interesting. Uh, neat place to, to grow up. This was in Kingston, Pennsylvania, and it was uh, walking distance to the Susquehanna. Sometimes my brother and I and my sister would walk over to the Susquehanna and yeah, uh, we we pretty much had the, the the run of this little town. It was a across the river from Wilkesbury. Well, one day after I had been up in the in the pine tree, have you ever had a sense of someone watching you? Sure, yeah. And I'm I'm reminded of a time I was in church, and I felt somebody looking at me, and I my head turned automatically, and I was looking, at, and my eyes met a girl from my high school that, that, that I, that I liked. And she was looking at me and it was like, Oh, hello. <laughs> it was like my eyes automatically just went to hers. Well, so I climbed down from the pine tree and I got a sense that someone was watching me or looking at me and I was looking around. I didn't see anything. And I looked behind the garage and I saw a little head duck back and I stood on my side of the garage and I was watching to see if they would come back out again. And they did. And I got a better look at what I was seeing over there. It was a strange little boy. He was covered 
in hair. And no sign of any clothes. And he was just like peeking around the, the, the corner of the, the garage. So he, he ducked back again. And I said, I, I, I thought, who is this? And I'm still looking. And then he ducks around, peeks around again. And I pulled back. I, thought, I can play this game too. And then I heard a laugh. It was like a big belly laugh. <laughs> so then I poked around. And then he pulled back and I'm starting to laugh. And so the two of us are like laughing back and forth with this silly game that we're playing. Uh, he look, looked to be about my height. He was just a, like a strange little furry kid. And I didn't know any better. So we did this for a couple of minutes till we, till we you know, we're, we're laughing so much we couldn't, couldn't breathe. <sighs> then we just kind of looked at each other and it was like, okay, this is, it's like we have, we have a new friend. And I, he never said word to me, but I, I got the sense that his name was Brownie. Maybe I heard it in my head, and I should call him Brownie. And this happened um, maybe I want to say two or three more times on other on other days. Uh, then I went into kindergarten and got caught up in all that distraction, and I didn't go back to look for Brownie anymore. The following spring, my dad had to cut down the, the apple tree. And I thought that was pretty much the end of this strange thing with, with, with Brownie. Now, one thing I also want to mention is that my mom, she was half Welsh, half German. And my grandmother was from Germany. She was born in Berlin. When my mom wanted us to come home, she would whistle for us. That was how she would call us in, from the neighborhood. And I'm, 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 I'll come back to that in a bit when, I, when I'm talking about reasons why I think it might be. My friend might have been an albatwitch. So anyway, I pretty much just filed that away as being a childhood friend. And I, didn't never, I never thought Bigfoot. I never thought... Crypto hominid, that wasn't part of my vocabulary in 1960, 1961, and so forth. Like 18 years later, I, I was invited to direct a musical in Clearfield, Pennsylvania. That's about 160 miles west of Kingston. And uh, we were staying in a, in a house in Clearfield. The, the backyard was like a hill with trees on it. And one night after rehearsal... I, I asked one of the, the cast members who was staying in the house with us if he wanted to hear a story that I had written. I have a background as a writer and uh, in addition to being an actor and director and things like that. And so sometimes when I'm reading with, <laughs> with the kids, I, I read and performed all the parts in the Harry Potter books for them. It became this thing. And sometimes the stories would just get to my emotions. I, I have a very, uh, a very short distance to go from being calm to being all blubbery. I, <laughs> I'm a, a, a crier. <laughs> I understand. I'm... Yeah, my, my mom was that way. She'd be playing the piano or something, and then it would just she'd find it was so beautiful that she'd start to start to cry. Just, but anyway, so something about the story as I was reading it. It was affecting me, and I was—I had tears running down my my face, and I was feeling. I guess it's a—it's a point where you're very 
open and vulnerable and you allow yourself to, to be that free with your emotion. And I was reading this in the breakfast nook of the Gerhardt's house. And behind uh, the cast member, his name was Mark, uh, was a window. And it was dark outside. It was around 9.30 at night. I saw a movement. And I stopped reading. And I looked and I saw a face rising up behind Mark's shoulder and looking at me. And I'm thinking... Now, if I if I curse, you can bleep this out. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, holy shit, that's Brownie. It was he was all grown up, just like I was, you know, in my twenties. He was in his twenties, but it was the same furry guy that I used to play with when I was a kid, when I was four. And he was looking at me like I know you. <laughs> it was like we had this moment, and, and I. I I ran to the to the to the back door, and Mark followed. I was looking all up and down the the hillside and the trees to, to see where he was. It was not fruitful. He he stayed in the shadows. But again, I just filed that away. And then recently, my wife wife and I were watching uh, a show about Bigfoot, and they're describing these. Crypto hominids that are covered in fur, and I'm thinking, wait a second. <laughs> I wonder if Brownie was maybe a big, Bigfoot, but he didn't seem all that tall when he was looking in the window. He didn't seem to be stooped over. He seemed to be about maybe four or five feet tall. And I have a long commute. I, I, wor I work in construction in New York City, and I drive from a different Kingston. I would drive from Kingston. New York, down to the Bronx every day for work in construction. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. And hearing your show and hearing a couple other shows, I started learning about albatwitches. And what I've gathered is that they're about four or five feet tall. They're covered in reddish brown hair. They communicate by whistling. They like to spend a lot of time in trees. And, uh, they are. They can be playful, like when they were stealing apples from the picnickers along the Susquehanna down uh, in your neck of the woods. Right, right, yeah. And then throwing the, the apple cores at them. I mean, that, that's playful. And I'm thinking, wait a second. I'm wondering if Brownie wasn't an albatwitch. There's a lot of state game lands between Kingston and Clearfield. And it was 18 years. It wouldn't it'd be impossible for my friend to, to get there. Sure. Now, I, I don't want to interrupt your story. I, you know, I'm going to have a, some questions. So I don't want to interrupt you, though, if, if there's more. Um, no, this, this would be a good point to ask any questions. So did you recognize his face, I guess, at the window? Absolutely. Just like if you knew somebody from your, your, your kindergarten class later on, you see him on the street. It's like, I, I know you. <laughs> it's the same thing. Wow. I, I, we recognized each other. And it was my friend. So back in Kingston, approximately how many times did you see uh, Brownie? Let's call him Brownie. Um, I would say maybe a total of three times. Three times. Yeah, maybe and four times. Did you mention it to anybody, to your parents or anybody, or was it just 
You know, yeah, they thought he was a, they thought it was like an imaginary friend. Imaginary friend, because okay. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're hanging out, play, playing, you know, like peeking around the back of a garage. It was always the same game, right? Um, but it's it a little kid who's covered with hair and not wearing clothes. So it's like, come on. And you know, <laughs> you, you never saw Brownie with, say, adult creatures, for instance. No. So he was no. always by himself. Yeah. Was his body? You know, was he stocky? Was he thin? He had thick, reddish brown hair. Uh, I would say I, I wouldn't say he was stocky. I, I would say he was slender. And I'm actually going to jump ahead to something else that that I find interesting. Somebody recommend that I find a book called "The Field Guide to the Little People" by by Nancy Arrowsmith. And I come to a section, and I'm reading about this. Uh, these, these, they're from Wales, from I want to say like the Orkney Islands, from the, the Scottish Highlands, things like that. This small in stature creatures that are covered with hair. They often live near uh, riverbanks, and uh, the name of this fairy tale creature. Is brownie? Oh, <laughs> which I didn't. It's like full circles. Like wow. See, I know uh, Joshua Cutchin is listening, and he he already put that together. He's like, it's a brownie, Tim. You're calling. He's calling it brownie. But that is very interesting. I don't know if I'd have gotten there eventually or not. But I know if you hadn't have brought it up, Joshua Cutchin would have would have emailed me <laughs> immediately. Said Tim brownie, come on. Oh, oh, speaking of speaking of, of, of again. I'm thinking at no point when I was uh, interacting with Brownie did I think that he was an ape or a monkey. I know what a monkey and an ape looks like. I thought this was some kind of human. And the same the same way with uh, with with the laughter. It, It sounded it sounded like a little kid laughing. And it it makes me wonder if. They're very often nocturnal if they haven't just lived to evade, uh, learned to evade humans. Maybe they're smarter than us. <laughs> well, I mean, the, it wouldn't it wouldn't take much. I think as a species, we're pretty dumb. <laughs> well, I always say that, like, if you look at like I often watch the squirrels in my backyard and they do some things that if a human did it, we would consider it superhuman. And. You, you know, you're looking at these squirrels and they just, they make jumps on the regular that if they miss, they're done, they're dead and they don't miss them. I mean, every now and then you'll find a squirrel on the ground if you, he missed or something, but you know, most of the time they're fine. They make these incredible acrobatic jumps and so forth. And I often thought like, if you're combining that, that sort of natural, you know, animal instinct with a human intellect, you might have something that could stay well hidden from us. I, I mean... If we're thinking of them as as natural creatures, which you know, I I go back and forth I, again. It's, I'm the same way. I mean, the the fact that he literally disappeared when I went out the back door—that's not something that people can do. Now, granted, he could have scrambled up a tree, and typically, when when I'm, when I'm watching a, a Bigfoot uh, story or a documentary where they're hunting for Bigfoot, they're looking at the ground level. The cameras are all pointing in amongst the the tree trunks. They're not going up into the branches, into the high. 
Right. It's like, hello, <laughs> they like high places. But if, I was I was doing the same thing. I was looking at ground level when I was looking for brownies, so I didn't. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. So when he was looking in the window, how did did he look like he had grown from the time you'd seen him last? Oh yeah, I, I he didn't look like a little kid anymore. He he looked you know like an adult. But he wasn't but, adult sized uh, or human adult sized, or was he? Short human. Because when he was standing at full height, he didn't get the whole way up the window. Okay, it, it, that's why I'm saying he's about around five foot tall. Okay, was do, as far as you remember, was he proportioned like a human? Mm, I didn't see him walk. I didn't have didn't see like him. There, there was no gait that I could judge because it was just like head and shoulders peeking around the back of the garage at that time, and then through the window i didn't see him walking he just like rose up and it was like making eye contact he was he he knew me i knew him it was was like a reunion it was like holy holy crap (laughs) that's amazing though so can we describe his face as best we can did was he you know did he have a mustache and beard or was the, the 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 face uh hair free or no he he was um like from, I'd say above the eyebrows to the cheekbones and the nose, that was like very light, downy uh, fur, and then it was thicker fur along the bottom of the, the chin and around the back of the head, and the arms were completely covered in fur, and uh, it just looked like 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 a hairy person. Hmm. And uh, the color was the same from from when. He was young to when you saw him later. It was not when I saw him the first time as, as a four-year-old. He was in sunlight, and I would call it reddish brown. However, when I saw him looking through the window, it was the backyard was not lit up. Right. It could have been a little darker. Could have been a little darker. Still in the reddish brown family, but maybe on, the, on a darker shade. Did you notice anything about the eyes? Did they were they reflecting or anything? Are they just look like normal? Uh, no, I, <laughs> I I've heard reports that sometimes people uh, see glowing eyes around the witches, and that wasn't the case with Brownie. Um, that's the one thing that doesn't quite fit with some of the other reports. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat. Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But you were talking about uh, the fellow who was listening, who was going to talk talk about uh, brownies. Was it is it uh, Josh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was listening this morning to your recent broadcast with him on 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 my early commute, mm-hmm. and normally the Taconic is full of cars, both going northbound and southbound, and for about ten fifteen minutes. I felt like I was in another world because there was nobody on the road but me. I've never seen that on that road. And I've been commuting since last April on this route every day. I, I get up you know, 3.30 in the morning and I'm on the road by you know, 4.30, quarter to 5. And it was like I'd slipped outside of normal reality. You know, I've I've heard people tell of you know similar things where it's just like suddenly there's there's no people around and there should be even stranger when they slip into when there's people that don't look like they should be there, uh, you know, either from another time or or another place. That's strange. This is the power of strange familiars, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. That, that's the other thing. You, I was listening to a, a couple. I think I mentioned this before, and you were talking about. Um, Sometimes when you look into the unknown, sometimes it looks back at you. Yes. Remember that conversation you were having? I think it was with Chris. Clint. Maybe Clint. All right. So anyway, <laughs> I listen over my speakers in, in, in the car through either USB or um, Bluetooth. And right when it said that, that line in the, in the podcast, the audio went, shut out. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it looks back, boom, I, I lost the connection. So I switched over to Bluetooth and it rewinds a little bit and it plays automatically that same line. Sometimes they look back and I lost the connection again. And it was like, oh, come on. I want to listen to this. I was hardly able to hear it. You you know, someone told me, I'm trying to remember where the email was. Someone emailed me. It was a woman. And it was after that show. And she told me a very similar story. I'm I'm trying to think I don't know if it was at the exact same place in the podcast but I think it was oh my goodness I'm trying to I get email at like three or four different places and I'm trying to think where it was let me see if I can call that up I can't find it very quickly and whoever emailed me if I'm wrong you can correct me but I believe she told me she was at a drive through in their car and the same thing happened at the same time it cut out Right around that point. And if I'm wrong, whoever, uh, please correct me. But there's something about your story sounds so familiar. And I think it was that someone wrote with a very similar story from the same episode. That would be very interesting if that's the case. Well, that was the whole theme of the episode was weird coincidences. Y- yeah, synchronicity <laughs> and, and, and so forth. So you brought up your mother whistling for you, which my dad did, by the way. I lived on the farm. He'd always whistle for us to come in when it was dinner time or whatever. So... Were you thinking that somehow your mother whistling was an attractant to 
brownie. Well, that and the fact that we had this neat old apple tree and that, that every summer bore these green apples. They, they didn't really get red like we're used to now. They were great for pies. And uh, that would be something that generationally they might know to go to. Right. To, to this neat variety of apple because there weren't that many greening apple trees in, in Kingston. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the fact that she communicated by whistling that could have been something that I spent so much time in the tr- in, in in a tree that could have been uh, a common ground. True, yeah. They they, they could make me relatable. <laughs> maybe make make me a little bit. Maybe I could trust this guy. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> Normally, he, he's doing the things that I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, about how far from the river were you? Oh, five minute walk. Okay, so pretty darn close, really. Yeah, and when. I was first hearing about the Abbot, which is they would go to picnickers along the Susquehanna River, of course, farther south than Kingston is. But again, they, they were they were always seen near the Susquehanna River. So that was another thing that was like, check. That, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That, that could fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I do have accounts of these, you know, little people. And then they go by different names in different areas. But one of the earliest accounts I found in Pennsylvania is they called him the Whistling Wild Boy. It was, you know, three, four foot tall guy came up on him. He was whistling, walking through the woods. And I think that was from the 1820s. That was. So that's one of the earliest, you know, kind of hairy, upright walking things that I found was one of these, you know, thin, kind of shorter albatwitch creatures or, or whatever uh, local name they are. I mean, they have them all over the world, you know, and everybody has local names for them. But they do seem to act a lot alike. They... they Whistling is a is a big thing. Some of them they say they play flutes. There's a little... there's a sim- there's a similar creature over in uh, is it Tanzania uh, that that I heard about that they uh, had been seen by a couple of uh, English explorers. Uh, two different explorers saw, saw the same same creature that they were around four or five feet tall, covered in reddish brown uh, fur or hair, and uh, they were you know. I'm thinking, boy, that sounds an awful lot like like brownie. Yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing about the little people is, you you know, as far as Bigfoot goes, we've got nothing in the fossil record that really looks like that. We do have what they call the the hobbits, though, from uh, Indonesia. These little people, these skeletons of these little people they found. Of course, there's reports in the same area of the the Orang Pendak, these hairy, shorter kind of hominids that that are, are reported, but we've, we've not uh, captured one yet. But uh, as far as, you know, the fossil record goes, there are things that, that look like this in the fossil record, which is very, very interesting in terms of, you know, it lends more credence to it possibly being a natural creature. Well, the other, the other thing is that if it is a branch of the human family, then if they found bones, we think, oh, this is a dead person, because the, the structure wouldn't be that much different than ours. Right. The fellow that Clint and I talked to on the second Synchronicity show, he told us on another occasion that he had found graves of, he called them dwarf Indians. He swears he can take us back to them. So we want to go there. We, we've made plans to, to meet up with them and go, and, and we're going to film it, and uh, hopefully we can see these graves because it's he said they were not like other indian burials he said these were these had kind of stone tombs that were you know like kind of stone coffins that were in the ground 
And he mm. said they were, uh, he called them, you know, pygmy Indians. So, and, and that's not the only place, you know, they've turned up, these so-called pygmy Indians. I think they turned up a bunch in somewhere around Philadelphia and around some of the uh, the mounds, I think, out in Ohio as well. I could be wrong about that one. Now, you mentioned that the uh, Susquehannock Indians had uh, an image of an albatross on their war shield. Yeah. Do you do you have that image? Could could you send that to me? I have never been able to track it down. And in fact, the closest I got was for my first book. I found a reference that they had hairy devils on. So th- I've always read in association with Albatwitch and sort of Albatwitch lore that the Susquehannocks had images of them on their war shields. Now the the only thing I found, like I said, is they said they had pictures of hairy devils on their war shields. I found another reference somewhere else. The book Josh and I are writing, he wants me to see if I can root out uh, a little bit more on that. So I'm going to go to, there's a local museum called the Indian Steps Museum that probably has the, if anybody has the best information on the Susquehanna, because they probably do. So I'm going to hit them up and see if they can, if they have any images of this or see if they can get me any closer to the source. But the the closest I've come is a a mention of them having hairy devils on their shields, or or it might have even been said little devils in folkloric parlance devils and bigfoot and devils and hairy things they tend to go together hand yeah, in hand right along so, with wild man references sure it, exactly yeah so i don't know if someone made that leap at some point you know from devil to albatwitch or if someone actually saw the image and said oh yeah that's a, it's a little you know it's a little hairy creature that's what it is so i'm trying to get closer to that the root of that one well have you ever noticed that like if you see a, a really little kid like uh, a toddler age or younger, sometimes they'll be talking to things we can't see. Sure. Okay. When I was living out in uh, Savannah, one of my jobs was doing ghost investigations and doing ghost tours. And I would tell them my theory on on the tour that I think that it's not accepted as you get older to be able to see spirits and stuff. It's like, that's not normal. And I think that we put blinders on a lot of us so that we can no longer see things that we're told by society we shouldn't be seeing. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think I'm in, this, uh, in the same boat. that, that I, did, I never put the blinders on, and it sounds like you didn't either. You're still, you're still open to seeing stuff that, that everyone else is like, saying, nope, nope, not there. I don't see anything. Yeah, yeah, and I think... I think sometimes people just aren't ready in a sense and it's just, and they just shut down. No, you know, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not seeing this, you know, or I'm not engaging with this. Well, one bit of physical evidence that I think is, is pretty cool and hopefully you will too. Very often people would have cameras on their, on their, their phones and we'd be going around to these haunted sites in Savannah, which likes to call itself the most haunted city in America. I would watch them taking pictures of the same location at the same time, maybe the husband didn't believe in ghosts and was kind of like dragged along for the, for, the, for the ride, for the tour. And the wife was you know, into it and believed in this. The wife, on her pictures, you'd see orbs. And then I would look at the pictures on the, on the husband's phone. No orbs. Yeah, I, I mean, this makes complete sense to me. You have to be a willing participant to get in the show. I think so. Absolutely. I absolutely believe that. 
it doesn't happen all the time. You, you know, if you go out looking for it, sometimes you get nothing, and and maybe most of the time you get nothing. But if you're going to go out, you know, just hard headed and and unaccepted, I mean, sometimes it does. Sometimes it comes and it taps people on the shoulder, and I think that's where you get a lot of these really traumatic accounts because they are in no way know how ready for this, and it you know whatever it is steps out of the shadows and taps them on the shoulder, and they, and they just they lose their shit for lack of a you know. <laughs> Because <laughs> they they are in no way ready for that. But, you know, a lot of times, if you're going to go out and you're not going to engage with it, then it's not going to engage with you. It's, it's, it is reactive in some way. I don't have all the answers. I just know, you know, it is reactive. If you go out and look for it, things start happening. It, it does pay attention in that way. It's incredibly interesting, you know, if, if you're into this stuff, because things will happen. Yeah. So if, yep. if you ever went to Pennsylvania again, so it doesn't sort of, this doesn't sound like it scared you, Brownie, at all. It, it sounds like no. a very a very positive experience all the way around. Yeah, which is wonderful. I mean, there's so many of these at least Bigfoot people leave with not a positive feeling. So uh, you, you know, I mean, this is really really neat that it ends up just being this positive experience all the way around. So how many years were were you in Pennsylvania between the two sightings and so forth? I. I lived in three different parts of of, of this uh, of Pennsylvania. I lived in Kingston. Then my family moved out to Pittsburgh. Lived out there for a couple of years, and then moved to Harrisburg, and uh, went to Cumberland Valley High School. That's where I finished up. And uh, actually, Shippensburg isn't that far from you, is it? No, not terribly far. Okay, uh, I went. I went to Shippensburg. I had a strange experience there. Okay. It, wasn't, it I, wasn't brownie related, but but it, it's 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 in your neck of the woods. I, I could share that if you want. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, yeah. See, Shippensburg is right on the other side of uh, Michaux Forest, which I spend a lot of time there. All right. Well, they have this old theater called Memorial Auditorium. I hope I'm getting that name right. I haven't been there for a while. Anyhow, it was rumored to be haunted, and the story that I heard was that underneath the seats there was like a crawl space where they kept a lot of the battens and, uh, and, and rods for the curtains and such. But there were also steam pipes under there. And apparently one of the students had gone under there to get the pipes, and he, he banged into the steam pipes, pipes and got cooked. And his ghost was supposedly still there, haunting the, the theater. I had done a show there, HMS Pinafore, and I had to play the romantic lead in there were times where I'd, be, I'd walk into the, the theater and I'd be empty and I would hear someone call out my name. I'm like, Doug. Like, well, what's that? And I look around, I wouldn't see anything. There was one staircase on, I, I, want, I want to say on the right side of the building. If you're looking at the stage, on the right side of the stage, there was a staircase going down to the costume shop and the, the, the wood shop. And people tried putting plants on that stairwell. And they always withered and died. Now, I've always been a believer that treat other people the way you would want to be treated. And I, if I were in the situation of that young guy who died there and I was stuck in the theater, you know, my heart went out to him. And I wanted to let him know that I wasn't afraid of him. And I started having my lunch in that stairwell every day. Just kind of hanging out and just being open to, you know, being with the ghost, letting him know I wasn't scared of him, just, just all that good stuff. And during the course of the month, the plants that were in the, in the windows there started to come back. 
to life. It was like whatever had been withering them was now they were they were, they were being healthy again. Now, in addition to doing musicals and stuff, I was in, in the concert choir. And you know how on, on the stages they'll put up uh, wooden risers? They're usually in like a half circle shape. Yeah. Different sections of risers. Mm-hmm. All right. So we had a rehearsal and we were up on the risers and there was one guy in the, in the chorus. For some reason, he assumed that I was interested in a girl he was interested in. And he wanted to fight me. And he, at the end of rehearsal, he said, all right, meet me outside in the parking lot. And I was like, oh, shit. So I, 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 I'm not a big fighter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got in a fight in grade school. And I thought I could win. And I got my, my butt handed to me. I was, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't pretty. So I'm sitting on the top level of the rider thinking, what, what am I going to do? And I guess this um, guy who wanted to fight me comes back in and says, you still here? No problem. We can fight right here. You know, I can kick your butt and teach you a lesson right here. So he's standing on the riser next to me. And I'm on, on, on a different riser. And he's, he's, he's like red in the face and he's like punching his hand in his fist. And I said out loud, without thinking of anyone in particular, I said, you better be careful about talking to me like that. I've got friends. And right as I said that, the entire riser that he was standing on collapsed. Oh, wow. He went flying back. He hit his head against the wall. He looked at me like, what the f*** did you just do? And you know, he, he didn't bother me after that. And I think it was the ghost. Wow. Going to bat for me. Correct me if I'm wrong. My experience, so I did a lot of theater scene design classes in college and uh, some costume design. My impression is that theater people in general are a superstitious lot. We did a Macbeth and everyone was climbing the walls because of, I'm sure you know, you know, you're not even supposed to say it in a theater. Yeah. And and And, uh, you're not supposed to whistle in a theater either. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And there were, and I've I've forgotten a lot of the the little kind of rituals that went along with these theater productions in college and so forth. So being involved in that world, do you feel? I mean, did you feel that kind of carried across throughout your theater experience? That was definitely the most overt uh, supernatural thing where somebody came to my defense. Uh, I, I don't have another story like that. Oh no, no, but I mean, do you, did, was it your experience that theater people in general are? more prone to superstitious belief and talk of spirits and so forth? Or, or is that just my impression? I don't know. I don't know if I, I can, I, because people are, are not eager to talk about weird stuff. They keep it low profile. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine on a construction site, this doesn't come up very often. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, Still, you get somebody to the side and they'll say, oh, yeah, well, I did have this one weird thing happen. You know, then they'll, they'll share with you. But it's always on the QT. It's like, don't tell anybody. But you know. Right, right. So I, I don't know if theater folks are more superstitious or open to spirits. Maybe, maybe they're more willing to talk about it. This is my impression of just, you know, being involved in college. So maybe it was that particular group. And I wasn't offended by it or anything. It's just an interesting note I made. Now, you had mentioned when we talked earlier that you might want to 
run something else past uh, your listeners to see if they had ever heard of anything like this. Remember I told you about the white masks outside the airport in Savannah? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I was driving around the front of the airport. And I was maybe 100 yards away. And I see two very tall, slender men standing outside, standing next to each other. And they, they had a white mask on. And I'm thinking, this is weird. They didn't have eye holes or, or a nose or a mouth. It was just a solid white mask. And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on here? And as I got closer, the white mask morphed into a normal face. They looked like in their 20s, they were European tourists, young men. And I drove past and I'm looking at them and the two pair of eyes were like locked on mine now and they their heads were like turning following me as I drove past it was creepy as hell and I, I don't know if it was like a proximity thing it had to be because when I was far enough away I saw for, for what I think they actually were wearing on their face and then when I got closer they had this you know they talk about fairy glamour mm-hmm you can make people see what you want them to see. Right, right. And when I got closer to them, the proximity of what they wanted me to see kicked in. But they were still aware that I must have seen more than, than most. And they were tracking me as I would, when I went past. Did you and, I don't, and I'd never, I've never heard of that anywhere else. And I was wondering if your listeners could, could chime in about yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, so if anybody has seen anything like this, you know, let us know. Usually when we talk about this stuff, and I just had a, an interview I recorded. I don't know when it's going to come out. It might be before or after yours by the time it gets edited and published. But someone saw like a, they described the figure that it looked like ink dropped in water. And it was the same kind of thing. They're like, has anybody else seen this? I said, well, we'll put the call out. The thing with Flannel Man, we started talking about it. And we got a bunch of people who wrote and like, yeah, I've seen that. So, yeah, uh, please, if anybody has seen anything like that, because... I'd love to hear more. I I hadn't off the top of my head, but I, I have a pretty encyclopedic memory when it comes to Bigfoot. But all other things paranormal, I you know I only have so much room in my head. So absolutely, <laughs> if I came across it before, you know, it might have uh, been replaced by some sort of Bigfoot trivia. So how far approximately? Well, first of all, were they were they like right on the side of the road or something? They were standing um, out front of the main entrance. Uh, if 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 you're looking straight on to the to the uh, the main entrance of the uh, airport, it would be just to the left of the main entrance. They were standing there, you know, side by side. Okay, so so basically, right off the side of the road. Yeah, on the sidewalk. Yes. Okay. okay. And about how far away were you when you when you first saw them? When it looked like they were. When I first noticed them, it was like about maybe a hundred yards away, and then as I got closer, like maybe forty yards, and then it started to morph into normal human features and it was like what's going on so you actually saw it morph it did, it wasn't like a look away look back no i saw it morph wow because I, I was trying to figure out why are they wearing white masks and then they turned into human faces i said oh that's weird yeah that's creepy that's very very creepy when they followed you did you did you happen to look in your rearview mirror to see if they were still tracking you oh yeah and they did <laughs> and and it didn't turn back to white or whatever that they, they kept the, like the normal visage no, I didn't see them turn back to the white. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's interesting, though. 
Yeah, the fairy glamour, like you said, and I think, you know, it's the modern version is the screen memory that people say aliens give you. They give you screen memories. After a while, if you're lucky, it, it, they it, fall it's away. It's kind of like, uh, is it, was it Lamont Cranston, The Shadow, with the ability to cloud men's minds? Yes. <laughs> That's the same idea. It's glamour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love The Shadow, by the way. Absolutely love it. I was listening to some old Shadow radio shows not too long ago. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> the Shadow Nerd. <laughs> Yeah, if anybody's seen anything like this, let us know, and we'll go ahead and, and put the call out and see what comes back. So, Well, Doug, thank you so much for sharing your story. I, I think just Like I said, I think it's just this wonderful story of this repeat encounter. I like hearing the, these positive stories every now and then, where it just seems like the, it was just this wonderful, positive experience with you and Brownie. Now, I did recreate what it looked like in, in Photoshop, so... If you wanted to put that on your on your website, you could you could use that. Oh, I, is I that what you said? I didn't know if you had found that someplace or. Um... No, no, I I created that in Photoshop. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That I, was my I, recollection. Absolutely. I actually, actually uh, I have a, a a more recent iteration of it that I can send you. I'll send you the new one, and you can you sure. can share that. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. Can I use it for the what I call the cover for the for the main image for the show? Yeah, yeah. why not? Awesome, great, wonderful. If you ever come back to Pennsylvania. And you want to go brownie hunting? Let me know, because uh, <laughs> for whatever reason, I think I think you might have a connection, and maybe chances go up of seeing it again. Oh yeah, that's really what I found out when I when I was doing the ghost tours. It's like I was like a lightning rod. Mm, yeah, stuff stuff would happen on the tours that other tours weren't they weren't experiencing. Yeah, and I think I, might have been because I was there. I think sometimes that can absolutely be the case. Absolutely. Well, again, th thank you for sharing, and keep us updated. If anything else happens, we'd love to hear more. You bet. Glad to. Strange Familiars is brought to you by our patrons. Thank you, patrons. Without you, this show could not happen. If you'd like to help us make Strange Familiars and get extra shows in the process, go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. We always do one extra show a month for our patrons. We try to do more than that. Lately, we've been doing two most months. So if you want to get extra content and you want to help us make the show, please consider becoming a patron. There are other reward levels for t-shirts and stickers and more. You can check out all of that at patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you do not like the idea of a subscription, but you still want to help, you can make a one-time donation. There is a paypal.me link at strangefamiliars.com in the show notes. And that's a big help as well. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Darkhollerarts.com Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. If you are on Facebook, you can like us, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, and you can look up the Strange Familiars Gathering Group there as well. And of course, you can always find us at strangefamiliars.com. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.